You're listening to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast. With this series, you can stay up to date with all the latest information and trends in the cybersecurity space by hearing from today's leading analysts, end users, and vendors so that you can be prepared for all scenarios to help protect your business. Hello and welcome to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast and EM360 Production. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's show. So make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. And joining me this week's episode is Leon Ward, who's the VP of Product Management at Fret Crochant. Leon is here to discuss the finding of Fret Crochant's 2021 Data Cybersecurity Automation Adoption Research Report, which highlights the importance of UK business automating their IT security systems, as well as many associated trends and challenges. So, Leon, welcome to the show, and thanks for having a chat with me today. Hi, Max. Thank you very much for the invite. You are very welcome, Leon. It's uh, good to chat with you, and uh, I think this is an important space to kind of delve into. But before we get into the report and all things cybersecurity automation, would you mind just giving our listeners a bit of background on yourself and the company? Sure. So personally, I've been in the cybersecurity business in some way since the very early 2000s, so just over, well, around 20 years or so. Um uh, and I fell into the world of product management, and I've been lucky enough to work on some of the some of the biggest, um, best known uh, cybersecurity products that have been out there, which have been very cool. As far as Threat Quotient, uh, Threat Quotient make uh, a security operations platform that really helps with uh, security automation, threat intelligence management, and a whole other bunch of things for for security orgs. And one of the things that we're really passionate about is making automation approachable and viable for the masses. So hence some of this research that we've been doing. Excellent stuff. There's, uh, yes, a lot of great work that you guys have been doing, and there's some very cool things in the report. But to start the podcast, I think it's good. Um, obviously, we, we have a great cybersecurity base of the listeners that kind of come to us, but it's always good to kind of bring people in who might be new to the space or who are also not familiar with this particular area. So to start off with, can you give us an overview of cybersecurity automation? Example, you know, its definition and why it's really important for businesses today. Yeah, sure. So I'll start with why it's important, and then we'll get into some of the specifics of really what it is and how it manifests itself. So any any of your listeners that are involved in cybersecurity will clearly realize from their own firsthand experiences that, that security teams are under constant pressure to do more. Across the industry, it's accepted that detection and response times to any form of threat or event are, are always way too high. And there's a clear lack of available cybersecurity skills in the workforce that just make it impossible to throw manpower at the problem if you did have the money to afford that, that manpower. So automation in the world of cybersecurity is normally manifests itself as taking uh, traditionally manual processes away from people to unburden them um, from things that are just generally considered a bad use of their time. And there's been a model that's worked well across the rest of the technology industry uh, and working at a technology vendor, I see the, you know, the benefits of it and I've uh, received the benefits of it for years, like our own automated QA um, and testing systems. 
So when you translate that idea to security operations, you get to a world where you, you ask yourselves, why should you have people manually clicking buttons, copying, pasting information between products, manually uh, following written down mundane processes that don't leverage that security domain knowledge, you know, the really expensive, talented stuff uh, that they have that they've been hired for. So that's kind of the goals. And of course, conceptually, it all makes sense. You know, you automate all the things and you free up those smart people to focus their time where it's more valuable and everything gets better. Your meantime detection and your meantime to response both improve. But saying that, however, is clearly far, far more easier than actually doing it. And uh, hence the reason why some of those claims and statements came up in that in that report. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to kind of see where the industry's at and where it's kind of evolving to. And, and every benefit you listed there is obviously something that's going to prick up the ears of a lot of our kind of listeners, especially those in kind of the, the higher positions of like, yes, this this could be something we should look into. So let's break down this report a little bit further then. We'll, we'll get into kind of the smaller findings and the percentages as we kind of talk through this. But um, what did the report kind of tell you about the current state of cybersecurity or automation adoption in the UK and why you guys felt the need to kind of conduct this research and, and bring this out? Yeah, sure. So the, 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 the answer to your first part of the question about what, what did we learn from this report is that we're definitely going in the right direction in the UK, um, for sure. We're, we're not yet in a state where we can say we have full confidence in automation, but we're definitely researching, uh, adopting it to do very specific uh, tactical things that are improving people. So the question kind of goes to like, well, what what do you have to do to get confidence in automation? And if you do have confidence in automation, like how can you really sort of extend the value to other places? And we think, and we are, we are, we believe that confidence to perform automation only comes from when you've got the confidence in the data that you're performing any form of you know, automated actions on. And that's paramount in cybersecurity. Without the right data, your input, how can you be sure you're automating towards that right goal? And you know, is the right goal you're trying to achieve the right one? And that's why we heard uh, statistics that, uh, that are like a 41% of people had lack of trust in the automation outcomes and somewhere in the low 90% had actually experienced problems with actually uh, implementing automation and trying to get benefits from it. Definitely. And that those are kind of quite high numbers and, and things that we're seeing are, are quite surprising. But as you say, it is great to see that the UK is heading in the right direction from it. And I want to kind of pick out a couple of, of points from the research as we kind of go through here. And one of the research findings was that technology is the top blocker stopping organizations from really applying that automation, right? 43%. So, however, the biggest implementation issue arises from a lack of skills. So you're kind of in that seesaw balance of, of making it work. So how can organizations really overcome these two technical challenges? Yeah, this is actually a, a really interesting observation that you, you, you pulled out. And it's actually something that really isn't on the organizations, you know, the consumers, the users of like, cybersecurity automation tools or the, the professionals are trying to defend their organizations, it's not really entirely on their, on their shoulders to solve. Uh, if we look at, look at the industry itself, um, as in the 
the industry that creates the tools and systems that these that these users are trying to orchestrate and automate across. There are some very pervasive challenges in the industry that have got us to this situation where it's hard to actually do automation. Issues with interoperability and standardization and compatibility and just, just like a lot of technologies that people use are also very much like legacy systems as, as well. Um, and I'm sure from the, the research and the work you do, you, you talk to a lot of like um, very new vendors that are taking like modern approaches to building systems and platforms that are very API driven. And especially in this world of this modern standard world of like, um, I'm kind of doing like this uh, wave of my hand, this cloud computing world. <laughs> People are used to, uh, you know, RESTful APIs and, and, and sit in like standardized ways of authenticating. A lot of the security tools and the systems that people are trying to need to interact with for cybersecurity automation, they don't necessarily have all those clean API forward approaches to try and use their to you know, to build their systems. Um, plus, you've got the competitive challenges of trying to um, build a new cybersecurity tool uh, and bringing it to market if you're constrained by some type of standards. If you're if you're building a new widget, whatever it may be, in like a new detection tool in this cybersecurity world, and it, if you're looking to make it really compatible with things that are out there, you may well look at some of the standards that have been in existence for a long time. But for you to do some innovation, if you're innovating and trying to be stuck in the world of those standards, you're being you're you're, be, you're stifling your ability to innovate and change and improve things, so that can even put you as a you know, technology vendor a bit of a disadvantage. So it leaves us to a world where you've got a whole variety of very different systems, tools, APIs with very little standardization between them. Beyond, do they have an API? Yeah, normally. Do they do they talk? You know, I do they talk? You no know, rest quite likely. Now, just try and making them work together is really hard. Yes, always a, a stumbling block and a challenge for a lot of organizations, as, you, as you're kind of saying there. But it's it's interesting to kind of see how that can progress forward. And as you say, it, it's it's getting those skills and, and kind of marrying up the two to, to really go forward. And I'm curious more about these kind of adoption obstacles, because this is always the thing that that stops things succeeding and stops things being implemented or, or improved upon. And there was an interesting note that was written in the report, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it kind of verbatim here, but it was organizations that have automation capabilities built into tech to technology, such as, you know, your SIMs, endpoint detection, and response and security automation and orchestration solutions appear not to trust these to automate much beyond basic tasks, such as, you know, sending out notifications or running a threat intelligence query. And that's interesting from the trust element. So why do you think that's the case? Where does that lack of trust really stem from? Um, yeah, so that, uh, unfortunately, I would say a lot of it comes from firsthand experience of the practitioners. Mm -hmm. um, there, isn't, there isn't like some myth uh, here. There, is, there has been a whole long history of automation causing problems for people. And having to deal with having to apply you know, human resources is trying to deal with and cleaning up the the mess that it has made. Back in my the earlier days of my career uh, in the early two thousands, it was really common to to see people trying to do forms of innovation by hooking 
two different security tools together and trying to make some, some better benefit out of them. Let's get our IDS, our intrusion detection system, and let's hook it into our firewall because if you're detecting the bad things, why don't we stop those bad things from ever getting into our network again? Now, you, you don't see that happening anymore. Well, not quite the same anyway. And why don't you see that happening anymore? Why don't people plug those two things together? It's because it created an absolute nightmare. You know, the wrong things were getting blocked and it frustrated the hell out of a lot of people. Sure, there are, of course, uh, a large number of people who are quite you know, making smart decisions of blocking certain IP addresses at security tools and firewalls, but it's not based off that, so that limited amount of data that was coming in from something like an intrusion detection alert. And um, and that kind of like loops back to something I, I, we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, like, like trust in the data and uh, confidence in the data to get trust in your outcomes. So if you're going to automate some action, You've got to have confidence uh, that are you automating towards the goal you want to get to, and are you are you automating an uh, an action based on like an event, a security occurrence that is that isn't going to get you into into some later difficulty. If you found you know, Box.com is hosting a load of malware, what a surprise! If you're going to go block all of Box.com, you're going to end up having a bit of a bad day. Um, so it's having that confidence in the actions you're going to take before you're going to take them. Yeah, and that that is the primary, some of the primary um, blockers of people trying to implement automation, automated responses anyway. Mm -hmm, definitely. It's, you know, the amount of conversations I have around multiple areas in cybersecurity, and a lot of it does come down to have that plan, have that goal in place of where you want to reach to. And it's, it's exactly the same of this, um, of how we're kind of talking to and understanding what you're going to achieve. And then, as you say, that trust isn't going to break down in, in the long run. Uh, obviously, I've been focusing kind of on the, the trust and the negative elements, but there are some positives in the reports that, that we're, we were kind of seeing. So, you know, even though there are these issues that we're seeing, 40% of cybersecurity professionals in the senior level said that they have automated between 51 and 100% of their processes, which is, which is great. So what types of processes are being automated uh, in 2021 going forward? And how are they providing beneficial interest for companies? Yeah, I think, I think there are like two main, uh, two main types of these. Um, the first one is uh, that getting benefit out of automating the types of things that can accelerate the human. Uh, these are things that keep the human in the loop and give them better output. For example, why have, uh, why have a, a person go and gather a load of information manually to work through a security ticket or an event or an alarm or an incident when all of, if not all of, the vast majority of that information could be collected automatically for them before they even get that task assigned to them. So things like that uh, are like ideal types of processes that for automation and we're seeing being automated today. And the, uh, the second class of things is the, is the classic low-hanging fruit of automation that, that people are still doing and quite rightly too. Uh, and those are things like um, you know, threat intelligence lookups, um, uh, that try and get us that one step towards the, you know, the, the, the end state we're trying to get to, um, but don't really close the loop on that response. Uh, the last thing I'll say is things like very process-orientated um, things are being automated with success. 
uh, things like things where there's no judgment call that needs to be made. Uh, like we need to reset a user's password across 10 different systems. That's an easy thing in the world of automation to do because you can have some confidence in it. But when it comes down to something like we're going to destroy some cloud infrastructure and reset it up because we're seeing something kind of funky occurring on it, that's the type of thing that needs a human to make a judgment call to say, I really want to do this because only the human can really understand the the, the business impact of making that decision. Yeah, striking that balance really of when to automate and when to have the human control still still be a part of it. And I, th- I think that's an important distinction to kind of make and, and move forward with. So in relation to that, when we're talking about how things should be implemented going forward, my, my final kind of question, and it's a bit of a two-parter, is I'm curious, everything we've kind of outlined and, and discussed today, and, and it hopefully we'll be starting to ring some bells and some senior positions heads of getting into this kind of area of the cybersecurity automation adoption. So what advice would you give to them, the security professionals looking to automate their security process? And is there really a way to ensure that we have successful cyber threat intelligence and automation? Yeah, there are. So there are a bunch of I think we made about half a dozen or so recommendations in the report, and uh, I, I guess we'll put a link to the report or where to get the report in in the, in the, in the show notes somehow. So there's a, there's a half dozen like decent recommendations in there, but rather than go through them all, uh, I'll, I'll highlight a couple of them. Firstly, you really focus on trying to know what you want to achieve as in the outcome of what you're trying to automate to, not, not necessarily the process. What are you, what's the business benefit you're trying to achieve from doing that automation? Uh, and this is something that is more problematic in, say, the, the security space than in other areas where automation is rife, like in, in software development. There is like, I've seen automation tools and playbooks that people have implemented to say, you know, let's automate the submission of malware to sandboxes so we can go see, we, we, we can get um, better visibility into what behavior this file has had if it was automated, uh, if it was executed. But if you've automated your ability to do that and increased your ability to say, rather than uh, run 50 pieces of malware in a sandbox a day, you've now upped it to say 500 or a 5,000, what have you actually got out of it? So what if you've increased your submissions? What's the business benefit? How do you actually turn that into some, some positive outcome for the organization? And that's that focus on what is the outcome you want to achieve? And secondly, you've got to get confidence in the data before you do anything. And if you're trying to automate based on some very untrustworthy data and you're going to take an action on that untrustworthy data, it's bad. But if you're going to take maybe six or seven actions that are like across your whole estate based on that untrustworthy data, you're magnifying and amplifying the, you know, the potential negative impacts of doing it. So getting confidence in the data before you do anything is really important. Confidence in data can lead to that confidence in automation. And if, if, if there were so if there were two things, I would say those are the most important two to get it to take away. One, what are your outcomes? Focus on those. And two, get confidence in your inputs, in your data before you do anything. Perfect stuff. Outcomes, confidence. I think that's fantastic advice that can be utilized across the cybersecurity space, but especially when we're talking about this. So Leon, thank you for coming on today and giving your insights and talking to us about the report here. You're welcome. Nice talking to you, Max. 
You too. And thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. If you are looking for more information or to actually read the report yourself, which I would highly recommend you do, because there's a lot of interesting facts and tidbits in there, as well as some great advice. We'll put the link in the description down below, but also head on over to fretq.com. That's fretq.com. We'll, of course, be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. But until then, please join the conversation at Ian360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. Subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. And for great daily content, head on over to Ian360Tech.com.